You're listening to the PK Experience Podcast, where I tap into the minds of today's impact players. My name is Peter King. I'm the host of the show, and my guest today is Rad Palavan. Rad is the owner and founder of Radical Results Performance, and he's a certified high-performance coach. He helps entrepreneurs go from overwhelm to clarity, confidence, and peak performance so that they can reach the next level in their business and their life. He spent the last 11 years helping people transform the quality of their lives in areas such as fitness and energy to mindset and high performance. He's coached executives and CEOs of multi-million dollar companies and helps give them the edge through critical situations. He's been mentored and coached by some of the best on the planet, people like Tony Robbins, Joseph McClendon III, Brendan Burchard, and many others, investing over half a million dollars of his own money so that he can grow and bring the top talent, skills, and proven strategies to his clients. So whether he speaks in front of thousands or whether he's speaking to you one-on-one, Rad's mission and passion is to contribute, create an impact, and help you reach that next level. So it's with a great honor to have him on the program. Here I am with Rad Palavan. All right, I'm here with Rad Palavan. Rad, how you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome as well. Thank you. I uh, was just ex- saying how you are somebody that, you know, every once in a while I come across somebody online where I'm like, man, I just feel like I need to know that person more. And, you know, I was looking at your profile and some of the stuff that you were up to. And I thought, man, I just want to get into your world a little bit and, and better understand how you perceive it and how you're helping people. So um, first and foremost, thank you for carving out a little time today to be with us. Um, and Thank you so much. It's, it's such a pleasure and such an honor to be here. Thanks, man. So I would love for you to just briefly explain to people who you are, what you do, and then we'll kind of dive into it. And I uh, you know, based on our previous conversation, I've got a handful of questions that we can uh, start with and then we'll take it from there. Yeah. Um, so who I am and what I do. <laughs> How do I keep this short? I guess we've got the hour, right? <laughs> yeah, take your time. Um, so, um, you know, what I'm most passionate about and, and really who I am is somebody who, who loves helping people. Um, my mission really is to ignite people, help them to ignite their purpose, their power, that power that's inside them, and really help them live to their full potential. And how I do that and what I do is whatever it takes. Uh, there, there are so many different ways that I can help people do that. But that's what drives me. Every single morning when I wake up, I ask myself, what's my mission and how can I how can I move towards it? How can I help more people today? And I've had lots of experiences in my past that have shaped me and have allowed me at the time, they didn't feel like they were good experiences, but now looking back, they're such incredible blessings because it created that contrast for me right now to have that drive to want to help other people who are struggling, who are feeling overwhelmed, who are depressed, who are going through any kinds of challenges knowing that I have such an unlimited amount of tools available that I can really help them and help them improve the quality of their lives, their level of fulfillment, and just their, their experience on this earth. Mm -hmm. Obviously a lot of people are struggling right now with uh, this whole coronavirus um, for one, and then social upheaval and the economy is, is, you know, who knows what's going to happen with that. There's a lot of uncertainty out there right now. And frankly, even when things are amazing, there's, you know, broken relationships or somebody's passed on or you're dealing with health issues, whatever. There's 
there's a, life is not short of uh, its challenges. So mm -hmm. I am curious, you mentioned uh, some of the things that, that drive you. What are some of those experiences? Can you walk us through a little bit, maybe where you're from and how you cultivated this drive and this passion to really serve people and help people? Yeah, I, I thank you. And, and, and you, you brought up such a great point that not only in this time when there's such incredible uncertainty, what we need most is to create that certainty within ourselves, not wait for the outside world to match and align in a way that we want to. The truth is it never will. Even when the economy is great, we have very little control over the outside world as much as, as people sometimes want to or try to have that control. The reality is they can only control themselves. So being able to generate that level of certain, that level of confidence inside yourself has been one of my life's missions um, where even the purpose that you have ties into your level of confidence, that power, that power is really your ability to, to take action, your ability to do something. Mm -hmm. And if you really narrow it down, it comes down to your level of confidence. If you have that confidence, that level of certainty, you'll go and do something. That lack of confidence means you won't. If you want to create something in life, you want to build a business, if you want to, you know, go after the love of your life, if you want to take a new action, start a new endeavor, go on an adventure, it all comes down to your level of confidence and your certainty, because that's what dictates whether you associate pleasure or pain to what you're going after. Hmm. And pleasure or pain is, is what motivates human behavior. It's in the it's in the emotional part of the brain where we are wired to avoid pain. We have a survival instinct that's going to look at avoiding pain. Mm -hmm. So that's why being able to create that kind of confidence is, is so powerful. And that's what unlocks the human potential. Um, um, I, I have a question for you, if I can interrupt. So that, that just, something just triggered in my head. What about somebody who, this is maybe a more of a philosophical question, but like, what about somebody who's, extremely quote unquote confident. They're very certain what they do. Uh, let's just take, well, I don't want to make this overly politicized, but if you think of somebody like President Trump, somebody who at least he thinks he's confident, there's a perception of confidence that allows him to get things done. But I think at least research that I've done and from what I've heard, there's a level of insecurity underneath all that that's driving that, right? So there's, you know, maybe false confidence or bravado versus genuine confidence what is what is actual real confidence I'm, I'm i'm so glad you brought that up and this this can go into multiple levels deep yes absolutely sometimes uh that insecurity that's there will cause somebody to act at such an extreme where they will try to have more control because if they don't have control over something or something doesn't go their way then that that is a risk that's a that's a threat that's a threat to whatever they associate pain to or fear mm -hmm. fear of uh failing fear of not being good enough fear of not getting approval fear of not being loved um real confidence i mean it's difficult to say what real is because it's it's different for every person every person will describe it differently um it's a feeling of security and trust. It's really faith. It's faith and trust that things will work out, that you've got it, that you're able to 
be all right no matter what happens. Hmm. I think that that's what real confidence is, being okay with no matter what happens. It's hmm. easy to be confident when we're just focusing on, on things going a certain way. But if the thought of them not going that way freaks us out, that's an insecurity there. Mm-hmm. And that insecurity, even though people try to shove it under the rug or, or, or mask it or cover it up with all kinds of things, with success, sometimes money, fashion, uh, charisma, or jokes or humor, um, if that insecurity is still there, if at any point something gets close to addressing it or uncovering it, it'll trigger that person. Mm-hmm. And that's when you see the person just reacting to a rage. And it's the survival instinct that shows up that wants to now protect. There's a crack in the armor and the survival instinct will do anything possible to defend that, even if it means tearing other people down or, or violence or aggression or, or hate. That's right. just fear that's showing up. Yeah, that's a really good explanation of that. Um, so let's go back to your personal journey and sort of where you started, uh, and then how you discovered some of these things and where that drive came from. Share that if you would, please. Yeah. So, um, I, I was born in Romania and it was right after communism. So the country was in poverty and my parents were working multiple jobs. They were working their asses off. Um, I didn't even see them for the first few years of my life. I was really with my grandparents and I remember that there were many times that the fridge was empty. It's like absolutely nothing in there. Um, and I knew from a young age, I made a decision that I will never have my family experience that. Mm. I'm never going to have my kids suffer and experience what I've experienced. And I also made a decision that I'm not going to let other people suffer like that. And I will do everything I can towards that and that, that's what took me to 10 years ago i started contributing and donating 10 meals a month through a charity and then 20 meals a month and then 30 meals a month and four years ago or three years ago uh after i found out what tony robbins was doing with his basket brigade i was inspired and i found a group here in toronto of of people that were organizing a basket brigade and feeding about a hundred families every thanksgiving so I joined arms with them and I felt so fulfilled knowing that I could just deliver a basket of food to a family and see the kids in their eyes and the person just be so excited. And That's, so you were doing that before you got um, connected to the Tony Robbins world? It was about one year after I got into that because I started hearing about these basket brigades and I thought, how can I do even more? And what a powerful thing it is to be a part of that. And I want to do a lot more than just be able to donate to an organization 20, 30, 40 meals a month. So I, I looked them up and I found them and I reached out and I said, hey, this is who I am. I'm passionate about this. Uh, let me be a part of it. Yeah, so cool. we, we, thank you. Um, we, we did that. It was, it was incredible. And I thought, let's do this again. And at Easter, I said, why only do this for Thanksgiving? Let's do this for Easter as well. And I spoke with one of my, my clients who initiated a, um, a very generous contribution. So I called our group and I said, hey, I've got enough of a donation for, to feed 100 families for Easter. And they said, it's in nine days. We can't put it together. It's like 
we've got the donation. We can feed 100 families. And they said, okay, we're going to start calling 100 families. I'm like, no, no, you don't get it. We already have enough for 100 families. We're going to raise another 100, call 200 families. And, and so in nine <laughs> days, we raised the difference and, and we pulled that off. Um, and then after something like that, the next logical step is a thousand. Yeah, how do you do it in the next? So I, I made uh, I made the announcement. I said for Thanksgiving and six months from now, seven, let's feed a thousand families. And of course, I'm I'm the visionary. I don't care how we do it. I just know it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We had thankfully the people on the team that were taking care of the how, and they said you don't understand the logistics and the manpower and the stores that we need and. <laughs> I said, Hey, not my role. I'm the visionary. <laughs> and quite frankly, yeah. And, 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 and uh, I, I didn't understand that, but I still drove that, that mission and I got to understand more about them, but I also feel that I inspired everybody to just raise the bar a little bit higher. And honestly, it couldn't have been done without, it was, it was a whole community that came together. It was dozens and dozens of volunteers that came together and we didn't feed a hundred a thousand families, but we fed four hundred and five. Awesome. And it was it was just such a beautiful experience. It was go go go, and, and we didn't have baskets anymore. We had these giant bags, and and even in, in running something like that, you know, something doesn't go according to plan, and the delivery is not on time, and the food trucks not showing up, and the store closed, and the baskets are not available. And just like resourcefulness last minute. And there wasn't a single moment where I said, this can't be done. I said, I don't care how I'm going to find a way because this is happening. Yeah. And so that, that, that's how important it is um, to, have, to have a clearly defined purpose, to have a, a mission, to have that vision that you're going for, because that is something that is more motivating than the challenges that will show up. Right. Because everybody, no, no matter what they're doing in life, they're going to have challenges. The question is, what is more motivating? Avoiding the challenge or getting past it? Is it more motivating to avoid the pain or the perceived failure or the hardship? Or is it more motivating to go and, and, and do what you're really meant to do? Mm-hmm. And, and that then ties down to having that kind of clarity. And how important it is for people to have clarity on what they want, not just what they want, but why is it that they want that? What, what's that purpose? What is that emotional juice, that emotional drive, why they get up in the morning and they say, you know, this is what lights me up. This is where I feel amazing. Hmm. Um, can you take us back a little bit to when you were younger and the, and the refrigerator was empty? Like what is, what kind of impact did that have on you as a kid? Did you have the wherewithal to realize like, oh, I don't even know, like I'm starving and I, and there's no food or was it just, Hey, this is sort of kids are resilient in that way. You know, it's like, there, well, I mean, we were resilient. I, I had two brothers and we, uh, you know, I, I remember at one point I opened the fridge and all that was, there was like a block of, of feta cheese and that was dried up and we would just nibble at that, like a little bit at a time. That's all that was there for like a few days. Wow. And I remember that, you know, we had bags of like breadcrumbs, and sugar so i'd mix breadcrumbs with sugar and eat that with a spoon that was a, that was my meal hmm. or or sometimes just like butter or like a slice of bread with margarine and and salt on it um and then i remember even going to school when we moved to canada and i was 11 
we would have the lunch break and we'd be in the cafeteria and all the kids would be eating things and they'd have a sandwich with like, I remember when I saw a sandwich, I had like 15 slices, like that much, you know, cold cuts and or, or cheese or whatever. And I remember saying to myself, like, what the hell? Like, you only put one slice. You can't put two slices or more because you run out. Mm-hmm. And that, that's when I had a lunch and there were so many times that I, I didn't and I felt like I couldn't be in the lunch because I couldn't connect. Everybody else was eating and I had nothing to eat. So mm-hmm. I'd be hiding in the staircase or I'd be in the staircase and I had a, a can of ravioli or canned beans and I was eating out with a spoon out of the can and I was hiding and I was embarrassed. And that is part of what created that drive for me to say, I know what this is like and this sucks. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, adults not having food. Okay. That, 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 that's one thing they're, they're resilient and they have a capacity for choice more so than kids uh, most of the time, but kids, they don't choose this. They, they don't choose this. And I made that my mission that I would find a way to help in ending world hunger. Mm. so it went from you know 10 20 30 meals per month to the basket brigades with delivering 400 baskets to this year i helped tony robbins feed over 50,000 meals damn i was able to to do that fundraising and contribute to that and you know looking back i never thought that i could have that kind of an impact and at the same time i said okay great 50,000 meals but that's one day of the year. That's one meal of the day. And how many millions of people and hundreds of millions are out there who need this. So I'm just getting started. Uh, This is why I love this community because it's, it's obviously there's a moment of, Hey, we did something really great. We, you know, this is really cool. We were able to feed 50,000 people. That's not for nothing. And and those people uh, I'm sure we're very grateful, but it's like, okay, what about tomorrow? What's the next day? There's millions more. How do we make, how do we take this even bigger? Um, it's so inspirational, man. Um, you. So you moved to Canada around 11 years old, you said? Give or take. Yep, I was 11. Okay. Um, and then walk me through like, so did your parents get transferred there or how did you end up in, in Canada? We, we, uh, we immigrated. Uh, my mom said, enough of this we need to leave this country because there's no future for the kids here and it was a challenging uh, a challenging move it was letting go of connections and families and just coming here with you know, my parents and two brothers and i remember that this was a, a very one of the finding moments one of many of the journey i remember the first year that i was in canada there was an assignment from school and they said write a paragraph of what you want to do when you grow up. And I remember that I had a journal, I was so excited and I wrote down, I want to, you know, be the best student and, and be the smartest and be more successful than anybody else. Uh, and <laughs> I, I drew um, a picture, there was a, a, a black limo, there was a red carpet coming out and there was me in a suit. <laughs> and like with a big smile drawn there. And I was so excited about taking that to school. And I remember my mom telling me that I couldn't do that. Because if I did that, 
I would make other people feel bad because I'm saying that I want to be better than them. And I, I can't, I can't do that. And I, th- th- there's a picture somewhere in the photo album where I'm with my arms down with my head down right next to the picture, that paragraph that I wrote. And I know that journalist somewhere in the archives and I will find it. Um, but it's me crying. Mm. And what I took from that was if I want to succeed, I'm going to upset people and people won't want to be around me mm. and I'm going to have to be alone or I'm going to hurt people. So then I need to be careful and not, not do so well. And, and that, worked out pretty well where I just barely made it through school in, in, in some cases. Um, but that drive was still there of knowing that I was meant for so much more, mm-hmm. that I wanted to do more. And uh, 10 years ago is where my growth journey really started. I had uh, a friend or a client invited me to a seminar and to meet successful people. I thought I've never met successful people. He invited me in an area of Toronto where you know, the rich people live, multi-million dollar homes. And I remember you know, renting a suit and dressing up and taking a cab there. And as I walked in, there was this giant mansion and there were luxury cars in front. And I'm like, what the hell is this place? It feels like a movie. And I remember I walked through the, the doors and they're like, golden handrails and staircases and there was a group of people there that they were doing a seminar and they were talking about improving their lives about becoming better and I'm like what is this I've never seen this in my life I've I've, people reading things that are not that are not school assignments that are not school textbooks think and grow rich as a man thinketh the compound effect and I started reading these and every week I would travel five hours across town, two hours each way, two and a half hours each way on multiple buses and on the subway while other people were sleeping in on Saturdays. I was getting up at 5 a.m. so I could get across town to be at these seminars and take notes. And, you know, I had people ask me, why do you keep going back? And I did this for several years. It's like, isn't it the same stuff every time? Like I'm taking new notes every time. Mm-hmm. And I knew that that was an environment where I finally felt I belonged. I finally felt that I could, I could become that person that I drew down in that homework assignment of being able to succeed, being able to have the life that I wanted. And that over, over the years really has shaped my life. That's where even in my industry, I was, I was in, the, in the fitness industry for 10 years. I started to apply all of these mindset concepts and working with people, realizing that the reason why they weren't getting their results was not because of the strategy. It's that the mindset that they had, the beliefs, the way that they were thinking, and I could start helping them with that. And I, it, it just really fulfilled me to know that I could help somebody else share with them knowledge or a skill or something that I've learned that that's helped me. So can I interrupt you for just a second? Yes. The, if we could just zoom in on that, what you just said and help them change their mindset a little bit, you've just shared a limiting belief that, that you had about what success is success equals, uh, Oh, you think you're better than everybody else. 
right? So being a good, kind-hearted person, why would I be successful? Because I don't want to make other people think that I'm better than them, right? So there was that belief that oftentimes comes from well-intentioned, well-meaning parents. And this is a note for all of you parents out there who are listening to this, that we need to be very aware of the words that we use and also have enough self-love to, to remind yourself that there's never going to be a perfect way. I, I, you know, with my kids, I'm pretty aware of all this stuff. And, and I still, I know I say things that I'm sure is having an impact on them, but I try to be very aware of what seeps through and, and, you know, how to nip anything in the mud before it becomes into a lifelong trajectory like this. But um, can you share how you discovered that moment of like, or, or that awareness to know that, Hey, I have this belief. Cause probably for a while, I'm assuming when your mother told you that it was like, Oh, well, this is coming from a loved authority. Success equals comparison to others that, Oh, I think I'm better. Yeah. Well, I'm not that person. So how long did it take you? It sounds like it took you a little while to, to come to that realization, but how did you pull that out of your subconscious to realize, Oh, that's a, that's a glass ceiling. This is holding me back. And then how did you reconcile that with your mom? Mm -hmm. So that, that lasted until about three years ago. And that's one of the reasons why I was stuck in a cycle where I was taking a few steps forward and then right back. And then I experienced that even with my family, with my friends, as I was trying to, to grow, uh, I was being a way that they were not. I was doing things that they were not. So I had a choice. I could either grow and pursue that and focus on that or I could connect with friends and family and let go of my ambitions because I couldn't connect on my ambitions I had to connect on sports on tv shows on the weather on parties eating and drinking and I, I had an experience with the drinking where I stopped drinking from when I was in my teen years from a uh, I had a, a, a moment of stupidity. I had multiple moments of <laughs> stupidity, but it just stacked and it, it got to a point where that was, that was the last straw. Um, and actually it was pretty, pretty cool how it happened because I was drunken boxing with a guy from the army who right now, by the way, is in jail. Just an, an idea of who I pick fights with to go drunken boxing with. <laughs> And I hit my head on the ground. I had internal brain bleeding. I was in a coma for like three days. I couldn't remember anything. And my sense of smell was, was gone. I couldn't smell anything. Taste was off. So alcohol tasted like shit. It, it still does. It's horrible. I, I don't know how people drink that stuff. The only thing I could maybe stomach was, you know, liqueurs. That's just because they're pumped with sugar. Right. But then if I have that, you know, I start sneezing and I have a physical reaction to that. So whether it was post-traumatic stress <laughs> or just because my smell was gone, uh, that's something that put alcohol off my list. And it's something I haven't had uh, an issue with. Um, Wait, did the smell ever return or is it still? It, it, it did. It's, it's, it's about, um, it's not 100%. Yeah. which sometimes can be such an incredible blessing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> such a blessing. It's like somebody comes in, it's like, my God, it stinks here. Will you feel that? No, I'm good. I'm having a great time. <laughs> Without my glasses, I don't see you so well. So I don't see the small little thing. So, you know, sometimes numbing down your, uh, <laughs> this sounds right. Sometimes not being as perceptive with your senses can allow you a, a sense of peace. 
Yeah. Not numbing down your senses because that's a different category. When I, was a, that. when I was a kid, my father had a hearing, uh, my uh, grandfather had a hearing aid. And I just saw him every once in a while when the kids were running around, was getting so loud, just reach up, turn that thing down, <laughs> sit back. Where were we? Um, <laughs> the, the moment where I where I realized that that belief was holding me back and, and how I, I needed to make certain sacrifices to, to be able to do that. And even though for so many years that's caused a level of pain because I couldn't connect it. The reason why I couldn't connect really is it's not because of what the other people had as an ambition or not. It's because just like you mentioned earlier on the outside, I seemed so strong and confident. I knew what I wanted. I was a go-getter. But inside, there was such an insecurity and I was scared shitless that what if this doesn't work out? Mm-hmm. And what if they're right? Or what if I fail? And I can't let go. If I, if I stopped focusing on what I'm going after, I was so insecure that if I took my eyes off that, I'd lose momentum. Mm-hmm. So that drive. Um, and it's, it's hard to say whether... It would have helped me to be more relaxed and have more balance or whether that obsession that I've had for so many years is what brought me up to this point. Right. But even when I went to my very first UPW, I was still in a point where I was not successful at all. I was, you know, just the other day I was going through some journals that I had from 2015 and I wrote my vision was to double my income from 30,000 to 60,000 that was shooting for it. And this is Canadian dollars. That's like 20,000 US, I suppose. Um, and I remember four years ago, my, my older brother, uh, I actually backtracked just a little bit more. The moment, you know, it's, it's so amazing how the universe works. Uh, my wife invited me to go to a, a book fair where a bookshop was closing down. So you go in there with a box and you buy all these books and everything's for five bucks. And I'm thinking, I know what I want. If there's a book I want and I go, I find it, I buy it. I'm not going to go and look through crap. It's like a junk sale. Mm-hmm. And, but I said, I'll go and I'll support her and I'll just entertain it. And who knows, maybe I'll find one book. We're in there, we pick up the box, we start walking through the room. And at the end, she walks out with like five books. It's like, eh, nothing good. She looks at me. I had a stack like this, the box is <laughs> overflowing. And I found books about biographies and different things. And there was one book that I saw that, like, I have no idea who this person has never heard of him before. He's got a giant freaking head and teeth. <laughs> and it says... Awaken the giant within. And I'm like, that sounds really cool. And then right next to it, or just, you know, a minute later, I saw another book with like this red big font that stood out that said power. And above it said unlimited, unlimited power. Tony Robbins, same guy. This is cool stuff. I want this. I want unlimited power. So I walked out of there. I was so excited with these books. (laughs) So as I'm reading through the book, it's blowing my mind. Again, I'm obsessed with learning. I'm obsessed with growing. I'm obsessed with finding ways to tap into that potential of myself, to, to bring out that power of myself, to be able to take action where before I was stopped, uh, to really become better, to be able to help other people reach their potential, for me to reach my own. 
and I was highlighting everything. Like I opened the book and 90% of every page is orange. <laughs> and I looked and I said, if I can download one paragraph into my brain and I act from that every day, my life is radically different. Mm. But it was just overwhelming. So my brother called me and I'm, I'm so thankful for that because he told me, hey, I'm reading this book as well and there's too much. We need to see this guy in person. I'm like, you can see him in person. <laughs> so he invited me to my first Unleash the Power Within. This was in March 2016. And at the time, 700 US dollars for a ticket plus airfare plus Airbnb was insane. I've never spent more than 150 bucks for a weekend convention. Mm -hmm. So that was a big leap of faith, but I just knew that I had to do it. And I was there and it was, it was another pivotal moment of my life where after walking through fire, after clearing through the limiting beliefs, after getting those new beliefs in me, I felt such a level of, of strength and confidence that I could do anything. And I remember on the last day or the sec second last day, Tony starts talking about the next level of mastery. And I'm listening. I'm like, yes, I want the next level. This is just mm -hmm. the beginning. Mm -hmm. I mean, like there's another level. I want that. <laughs> and he talks about Master University and Date with Destiny. And I remember saying, I'm definitely going to that. And then he puts up the prices. And I said, I'm definitely not going to that. <laughs> that's like, that, that's almost my entire year's income for Master University. Mm -hmm. And then he said, the first 150 people that sign up get to be on stage, meet Tony Robbins and take a group photo. And I said, I'm definitely going to that. Wow. And I remember I got up and I ran to the back and this was at the West Palm Beach Convention Center and you've got all the chairs lined up. So I was going over rows and knocking the chairs <laughs> out of the way and I run to the back with my card. I'm signing up, whatever, go. They, they, they say, okay, the down payment is a thousand bucks. I'm like, yes, the card bounced. Hmm. Like, shit. I ran back to my chair. I grabbed my wallet. I'm coming back. I had three credit cards. I put a couple hundred here, a couple hundred here, three credit cards for the down payment for something that was the whole package cost several months of my income. Never mind the logistics of getting there. Mm -hmm. And they were giving you your, your receipt and they would give you a, a, a round sticker in the corner that you're one of the 150 so that you can get past security to go on stage. And I remember that there were two stickers left and I got one of them mm. and I took my paper and I'm running. It's like the, the, the scene from the terminal where you see Tom Hanks, where he gets the pager. <laughs> I'm coming. That was, that was me. And I'm running through. And, and <sighs> I know that there were incredible, beautiful serving souls on crew that were most likely saying no running, slow down. I didn't see anybody. I was just like going through and I got on stage and Tony's making his rounds and he's, you know, meeting everybody and he's shaking their hands. And I'm, I'm so blessed because that was actually the last PPW where he did that. Hmm. Actually, no, no, he did it for about another year. Cause I remember I started crewing I'll tell you the story of how that happened. That was um, magical. 
but I'm on stage and you know, Tony just loses his voice completely. That's when he went until the end of day three. And I lost my voice as well because I was shouting and my, you know, the sound of my soul unleashed and tripled the intensity and level 100. And that, that, that was me. I was level 200. Playing so I lost. <laughs> There's no other way. Yes. Um, and I remember I meet him and, and he says, uh, he shakes my hand and I say, hey, it's such a pleasure meeting you. <laughs> and he says, and he's like, you sound like me <laughs> and to me my smile just went from here to like here and like you know what better compliment like to sound like you are you kidding me i'm like thank you <laughs> so that that moment just stayed with me where it's like i sound like tony robbins at least there i did uh you know no better compliment on planet earth for me you know that, that's it and I remember walking out of there and I said, what the hell did I get myself into? <laughs> but now it's also done. Yeah. And, and, and this is something that, that's very, very valuable with anybody who has a goal, who wants to, to achieve something, that they're thinking of something that they want, something that they desire. And when they have that burning why, that burning passion, they know why they want it. They know that they're meant for, for more. They know that it's possible and they have that power inside them. When you make that declaration and take a step towards it, you make it real. That's the first step from taking it out from your mind and you put it on paper. You make it physically real. Whether you're locking in a date, you make a call, you put a down payment, it becomes real. Mm -hmm. And when it's real in your mind, there's a different identity now. There's not, this is something that when I get the money, I'll do it. This is already happening. I'm the person who's doing this now. So now how do I get the money? Mm. And my income grew, uh, not a lot over that year, but it grew significantly compared to where I was, mm. like 30 to maybe 40 or 45,000 Canadian. And I got today with Destiny. And the first three days was just, there was so much, it was like drinking off a water hose. Yep. Is it water hose or fire hose? Fire hose. Or <laughs> okay. a realistic water hose. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it, it, it felt like that. And when, when you're there, Tony just goes really deep at date with destiny and pulls out all the weeds and all the crap from the past so you can deal with it and you can break through it. And I had stuff coming up from my past and such pain that I remember I didn't want to be there. And I hit a level, an emotional threshold that my fight or flight response kicked in and it went for flight. Like, I can't deal with this. I need to escape. I'm going to leave the event. And 2016, December, it was at Boca Raton. It was this beautiful resort that's on a golf course with the hills, with the ponds. And I remember going out and I didn't see any of that, none of that beauty. And I just, I ran out and I was crying. And I went up over the hills, just far away so that nobody could see me. And I remember I was actually looking for a way out. I was, I, was, I was looking for a tree. Not sure what the hell I would do with a tree. Uh, and not sure how I'd find a tree on the golf course. <laughs> um, thank God. When you, when you say looking for a way out, you mean out of the program? I was out of the program. Or I, I, I already stepped out, but I, I, was, I was suicidal. Hmm. 
And I just, I couldn't deal with these emotions because there's something that I've been struggling with with so many years. And the more that I was building, the more I was trying to grow, the more I felt I was disconnected from family, from friends, that it was costing me so much. Mm-hmm. At the cost of me doing what I felt I was meant to do would mean such pain and such resistance. And it was just me not having a more powerful way to look at it and just to see that people had a fear of me being different and they had their own processes. Just, but that, that, that was my insecurity that was there that felt not supported. Well, it, it, do you, it, you don't have to answer this, but if you don't mind me asking, what was, what was the thing that triggered the fight or flight for you? Um, I, I just wanted to go to block this out. I wanted to avoid these emotions. I didn't want to deal with them. And I, I felt like giving up on my dreams because I associated my dreams with even more pain. Mm-hmm. And I could just go back and I thought of, okay, well, I could just settle. I've got enough money that I can pay my bills. I can live a, a good life, uh, do normal things. And then thinking of that, I felt there's no point in living like that because that doesn't inspire me. Mm-hmm. And I remember being out on the golf course by myself and the sky turned dark and it starts raining and my emotions are just going out of control and like despair and hopelessness and not knowing what to do with myself. And it starts raining and then it just starts pouring and there's a crash through the clouds and there's a thunderstorm and lightning bolts flying everywhere. And I remember I'm just looking up with my hands like this and it's just pouring down on me. And, <laughs> you know, it's like a dramatic scene from, from the movie or something mm-hmm. uh, or almost like Neo in that scene where it's pouring down and he's facing all of the agents around him trying to take him down. And, and that was that moment for me where I'm there and I, I saw all my fears. I saw all these limitations. I saw my smaller self, my insecure self right in front of me. Mm. And that frustration turned into anger and it turned into a rage. And I just start shouting so loud and just knowing that I saw that vision of that limiting self and I wanted to annihilate it, to just pulverize it, to push through. I reached a level of anger that I don't think I've ever reached in my life. Mm. And I said, no more of this fucking shit. And I got so sorry for, for swearing. No, it's fine. Um, uh, but, but I was, I was in such an emotional state that I said enough of this. I'm claiming my freaking power and I'm done with this. I'm going to go back there. And I went back there and I stayed through and I kept having emotional swings and it was, it was quite taxing. Um, And one of the reasons why I also stayed there was because of the support that I had from one of the trainers, incredible trainer, Mike. um, And um, he helped me stay through the program. And I remember that at the end of the program, after I've been able to break through these limitations, we got to day five where we looked at the values and we realized that I, I could decide what emotions I want to feel and how to make it easy to feel those good emotions and how I could make it hard to feel the bad ones. And I didn't sleep that night. I just worked through and I, I felt like I'm designing the matrix. 
I'm designing. Oh, great. I'm going to feel like this. Awesome. And I felt such euphoria and joy knowing that I had that kind of power to design my life the way I wanted to now. And at the end of the event, I remember going up to, to my trainer. I went up to Mike and I said, Mike, thank you so much for your help. I probably wouldn't be here right now standing here if it wasn't for you. Hmm. And I said, how can I help other people the way that you've helped me? And he said, go crew. And I was so confused. I was waiting for some leadership course or some coaching program. He said, go crew. The second time he said, I said, okay, that's what I'm doing. So the so next for those, event. For those that are listening that don't know what that is, when Tony Robbins throws on these big events and it takes you know, a small army to pull these off. Um, and a lot of times people volunteer their time and energy and often sweat and blood to um, quote unquote crew these events where they're helping uh, with all the logistics and the paperwork and the, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But um, so when you say crewing, I just want people to, who are listening to. Yeah. Hear. So volunteering at the event. And when I signed up for the first uh, event that was in LA in 2017, I remember choosing a position that would put me inside the room because selfishly I wanted to get another take and hear this content again. And I volunteered to be an usher, which means that I'm helping people. I'm welcoming into the room. I'm helping them with logistics, pretty much hands-on first point of contact customer service. And I got the most value from getting to help other people. People would come up with a certain challenge or they were in an emotional state that was just know, painful or unresourceful. And I, I knew that I could help them make a change and I could add value. And I felt so fulfilled that that's when I, I, I really found wh where I would be able to fulfill my purpose mm. to help people and how I could do that. And from that point forward, I've volunteered at every single event. I've done over 35 events in the past uh, four years between volunteering and participating. And just for those and, that don't, like you're paying your own way, you're flying out there, right? Like, or oh yeah, yeah. You 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 cover your own expenses. You 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 work for free. I remember my friends telling me that I was crazy doing that. It was costing me money also because I wasn't working at my job doing that. And I remember at the second event, this was in July, 2017. I volunteered and I stepped up and I was a team leader. And as I was moving around, helping with the logistics, getting the room set up on the second day after the firewalk, making sure the team's in position, that the other volunteers knew what they were doing. They're, they had certainty because they walked in, they had no idea what they had to do. So it was my job now to help them, to inspire them, to build that confidence and that level of certainty where they could show up at their best and serve, serve all the participants. I remember one of the crew members pulled me to the side and say, said, Rad, this lady wants to speak with you. She, I said, okay, why me? She said, she thinks that you're in charge. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> and and I, I guess I was because I had the microphone, but really later I found out it was because of my, my energy and the way that I was moving. Mm -hmm. and I, I suppose that's the energy that I always had because that's how, that just showed me how much that fulfilled me, how alive I felt doing that, mm -hmm. serving a mission like that. And I remember I sat down with her and this is on day two after the firewalk. And she said, I need to speak with Tony Robbins. 
And I said, it's my second event. I'm 99.9% .9 sure I can't make that happen. And if I call that over the radio, I think I might get in trouble. <laughs> so I started to ask her questions to find out what, what, what was going on. And she said her husband didn't want to be there. He wanted to leave and she needed help. And I felt powerless. I felt that other than just comfort her or listen, I didn't have the skills to help her. And I, I, I called for a trainer. The trainers are the highest level of, of leaders and, and coaches that help with the program. They're, they're skilled. They have the skills that Tony Robbins uses. Um, and I waited about 20 minutes until one arrived. And I'm sitting there and I felt, I felt helpless and powerless. And I remember feeling like that when I was a kid, when we moved to Canada and my parents were fighting because there wasn't enough money and there was violence in the house. And it was, it was a nightmare at times. And I felt powerless to help. I just wanted to make it go away. I thought that if I could fix it, there could be love, there could be happiness. And I remember feeling powerless like that again. And the trainer came and within a few minutes, he resolved it. And I made the decision then that I will never again in my life be in a position where somebody needs help and I can't help them. Not just that I want to, but I'm capable. I have the skills, I have the tools, I have the resources to help them. Mm. And at that event, this is in July, there was a program called Leadership Academy, which is the starting point for the coaching program that Tony has for, for the leader, the leadership team, the trainers. And I said, that's something I'd like to go to, but it's $3,000 US. Again, and it's two months from now. I, I can't afford that. And I remember at the very end of the event, this was in New Jersey. There's a long escalator from the very top floor to the bottom. And I'm there with two friends and it's finished, the event finished and we're so fulfilled because, because of how much impact we felt we had, how much growth we had, the connections that we built. And they were on the fence about Dates with Destiny. That was in December. And I stepped up and I said, look, you need to go there. It changed my life. It will change your lives. You need to make it happen. And they said, we don't have the money. I said, I don't care, find the money find a freaking way you either get the result or you have an excuse. And they looked at each other and you know, they, they had a moment of faith and they said, okay, we're doing it. We're in. And I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. I'm so fulfilled because I know how much it's going to impact their lives. And I'm just there and I'm smiling. I'm happy. And then both of them, they cross their arms and they look at me. So mister, how about you and leadership Academy? And I'm like, Ooh. I definitely wasn't going to that. I'm like, <laughs> okay, Called you that's out. happening. No idea how that's happening. Again, I put a down payment and I managed the payments. Like I paid it off just a couple of days before the event. And I remember flying to Leadership Academy overnight because I couldn't afford a hotel overnight. And I remember when I got there, um, my interest was in learning how to do it, how I can help people. I didn't have money for food. When people said, hey, we're going for lunch, I'm fasting. It's a super cool thing. I have great energy. I've already eaten today. I had my lunch, mm. all that stuff. Um, and I remember I got there and I started thinking, okay, where am I going to sleep? So they just landed. 
I got there, I said, okay, there's the product table. There's a curtain that goes down to the bottom I can sleep under. But I mapped the zone, I saw the cameras. I, I worked several years in security and I trained to be a cop. So my, my mind goes for that. Also as a kid, I was always like a strategizing, how do I do and figure something out. So my senses went, I'm like, okay, cameras there, 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 I'm gonna get in trouble and kicked out. So I went outside and they, they had small pools and they had cabanas and I slept in one of those. And I found out at what time in the morning they'd be opening them up. So I set my alarm before then I snuck out. So I slept there and I snuck out and I went to the fitness center and I signed in with somebody else's name. Uh, if you're listening to this, Matt, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I used your name. Shout out to Matt. I saw what, what, what room you were in. Uh, so I signed in with his name just so I could get there so I could use the shower. I could shower, I could be fresh, I could be in the room because I knew I wanted to learn this stuff. And long story short, from there, I started going to the events as, as in a leadership position and helping other participants through their journeys. And at Date with Destiny, I was on a team where we had an incredible trainer. And on the break, we're helping the participants. And after like 30 minutes, I help a participant with with that exercise and they had a breakthrough and I'm like, yes, I did it. I'm thinking there are 60 people on this team. There's me, the trainer and another senior leader. The math doesn't add up. And I'm looking at the trainer, five minutes done next five minutes done next. And I said, I want to be that good. I don't have time to take 30 minutes to make a result happen. <laughs> you know, there's not enough time on earth left. I need to be better. I need to be faster. So that again, fueled me up. How can I get even better? How can I learn more? How can I help more people? And all of that is what really ignited that passion for me to keep finding ways to, to help people. Amazing. So are, are you able to go in now and, and within just a few short minutes, help somebody out of their own entanglement in their own head? Absolutely. And, and this happened also because of, of my, my, you know, I, I hit a rock bottom Three years ago, um, I was working in the fitness industry. I was uh, working um, a lot with some of the world's best chiropractors and physiotherapists on postural alignment. So this is something that ties into the, the physical part of creating confidence, where for years I've studied the physiology of it and how to hold the body to create confidence through the way you're standing and moving your body. So I spent a decade doing that. But I lost that job. And in a, in a turn of events, the company where I was working, it was run by, by criminals, literally people that were running major fraud and they were involved with gangs. And they did something that was costing me tens of thousands of dollars and the same with every other employee. And they were just harassing and bullying and trying to have people sign away their rights working there. Wow. And I stood up to that because I said, this isn't right. And I've been bullied in my life and I have zero tolerance for that. If I see that happening, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in your face. So I did that. I got in their face and that was a dangerous move <laughs> because these were four owners with decades of experience in fraud and bullying and sales and aggression. And I remember that I reached a level of anxiety where I was shaking for I lost that job. I was fighting them. I was threatened. My life was threatened. I was threatened with gangs. 
with lawsuits. They had a legal team. I had no money because my job went away. And I remember for a period of about three months, I was so stressed, anxious, and depressed. I couldn't sleep. That was the period of time where we had a basket brigade where, where, you know, we fed 400 families. And that same day after feeding 400 families, having such a level of joy and fulfillment, three hours later, I'm at the cottage, I'm by the lake, I'm in nature. I'm not enjoying any of that. I had suicidal thoughts. Mm. That's how much stress I had. I didn't know how to deal with that. I had uncertainty about my income. I had uncertainty about who I was. My identity was, I was my job. That was gone. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my purpose was. I didn't know what I wanted in life. And in such levels of uncertainty, there's a lack of any kind of control. And that kind of fear is so damaging. Mm -hmm. Just like in today's world right now, people are having this kind of uncertainty about the economy, about all the crazy stuff, the, the unjust stuff that's happening in the world, the horrible stuff. And I was going to uh, a clinic and I was getting sleeping pills. And I said, look, I don't need all the bullshit here in your diagnosis. I just need sleeping pills because I can't sleep. I need to fall asleep. I drug myself and knock myself out. And when I get up in the morning, I was running on Red Bull and coffee to wake back up. So it's like stimulants and, you know, up, down, up, down. And I remember after a while of doing that, it was a, very dark period of my time, of my life. And I went back for a, a refill and the doctor said, not giving you a refill until we sit down and talk. Hmm. So we did. And she started asking me questions and just multiple choice questions. And at the end of that, she said, here's your prescription for antidepressants and for a psychiatrist. And you are clinically depressed. And you have been clinically depressed for the past decade from what I see here. Mm. And I remember at that moment in my mind, I had two thoughts. First, you asked me a bunch of multiple choice questions. A, a monkey could have administered this and come out with that, with that diagnosis. And two, you don't get to tell me who I am. I'm not clinically depressed. I'm freaked the hell out because I've got no money. I don't know what I want. I don't know where I'm going. I'm afraid for my life. I've picked fights with, with people that are in a league of aggression and crime way above where I want to go. I've got lawsuits coming up. I've, I'm focusing on that crap. Um, it's not... It's not that's it. And I know that because I've gone to a number of events already where I knew that I was in charge of that and I gave up my power. And that moment when she said that something snapped in me again. And this is the power of identity, by the way, we're talking about unleashing that power within you. And when I help my clients find their inner power, their, their ability to take action, we act in accordance to who we identify to be. If you think you're this kind of a person, you're going to act accordingly. If you don't think you're that kind of a person, then you won't act that way. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, the idea of act as if. Um, so I remember I walked out of there. I said, thank you. 
but I don't need this. And I left it behind. I walked out and I had such a weight off my shoulders. I felt like I just walked through a wall and I just felt free. And I said, screw that and no more, never again. I'm taking charge of my life. I'm taking control and, and I'm, I'm taking back that power of my life. And I signed up to go to the UPW that was in three weeks, which I said, I'm not going to go there. Now I went there. Mm-hmm. And um, that was one of the, the moments where I was at my lowest and I was able to, to come out of that. So it's because of that, having that experience, having hit those limits that I'm able now, when somebody calls me to be able to go through that. I, last year, one of my businesses went to zero and I was weeks from bankruptcy, business and personal bankruptcy. And I was freaking out, but I found a way out of that. I found out what I, I knew what I wanted to do, what I needed to do. And I knew it was possible because others have done it. I knew I could do it. I just didn't know how, but the how doesn't matter if you have a strong enough reason why. And I knew that my purpose was to help people ignite their own purpose, their power, their potential to live the life that they're really capable of living. And that was more important than me finding out the how. Mm-hmm. So I hired two coaches and, and from there, from that decision, that drive that I had, I created a level of internal certainty and confidence and, 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 and confidence or, or certainty that there are two layers, there's internal and there's external. The internal part is where you're focusing on, on yourself and what's in your control. The external confidence comes from having a proven system that will take you where you want to go. You can, be, you can be in the best emotional state and strong and confident, ready to go walk on fire. But if you don't believe that you're going to make it across okay, if you've never seen anybody else cross these codes, if you don't think that if you think that you're going to burn and die, uh, it doesn't matter how confident you are if you don't have certainty that the ground will hold when you step. Yes. So when I got these coaches, like you've done it before, you have the results. I see that. I'm going to work with you. He said, here's how much it costs to work with me. And I'm like, my income is zero right now. And you're reducing my, my bankruptcy deadline from five weeks to two weeks. <laughs> this was right after I joined Tony Robbins's platinum partnership, by the way. And I said that I needed to increase my business 300% to afford this. And after joining it, my business actually went to zero because I was in the wrong business. I was, I thought I was in the business of helping people enhance their, uh, their level of confidence, their energy and their fitness. And then they would take that and apply it in other areas of their lives. So I was taking that approach of coming in by focusing on the strategy and the physiology and adding mindset, hoping that people would apply in other areas. But I discovered that what my purpose really was, was to help people create that level of life where they meet their potential, where they have that confidence, that strength, that power to make their life the way they want to, where they feel alive and fulfilled. How I'm going to make that happen can be one of a million ways right now mm-hmm. between, you know, I've invested a half a million dollars in my own growth over the past four years from Tony Robbins to Brandon Bouchard to, to all the coaching and the, the leadership and working with some of the world's best. 
I have those resources and I was limiting myself to only the strategy of fitness with mindset, weekly mm -hmm. intentions. So that's why that business went to zero and I had to pivot and recreate myself. And when I met this coach, I said, okay, great. That means that I'm going to be bankrupt in three weeks, which means I need to create results right now. But I, I had that internal certainty inside me because I knew why I wanted it. And now I also had a proven model and a mentor and a coach who could show me the way so I could trust that I'm not just shooting blindly, hoping it works. Mm -hmm. I know I just need to follow these footsteps. I just need to get myself, own myself to take that action. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and since I've done that, my business grew 700%. I've, <laughs> so far in, 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 in the first six months of this year, I out-earned the previous four years of my life. Wow. Um, but beyond that, it's, again, that, 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 that was a result that came from what I was able to do for, for my clients. And that, that was the question that you had and why I'm able to do that and how I'm able to do that is these experiences have helped me. And also right now I work with four coaches. Every single week I have four different coaching calls. I'm in masterminds with seven, eight, nine figure earners that I'm always surrounding myself with people at a higher level mm -hmm. because that's what really allows me to tap into that potential. That's what allows anybody to access their potential what's really possible is first see what's possible be with people who are demonstrating and living what's possible. And you get inspired by that. And that gives you belief that you can also do it. Why four coaches? So, was there a specific intention for each of those or what? How did you um, so the, the, the first coach that I had was my platinum partners coach, uh, which every single week we focus on mindset and psychology and, um, you know, even though I know this stuff, you don't see your own blind spots. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, there are some, there's always new stuff that I'm learning, but it's just like reading a book a hundred times. You're going to see new things. Yes. So I'm able to deepen that even more. Then I had a business coach and a strategist. He, he had the model for me to do what I wanted to do. And I just had to follow those steps. Then I got another coach that was helping me with high performance. And this is, you know, I'm a certified high performance coach. I studied with Brandon Bouchard. And this is about, you know, what is it that creates that level of sustained and consistent high performance across all areas of life. And while I know that, I also want to have somebody else checking my blind spots from that angle. And then I've got another coach, which is in influence and, and persuasion and in and, and communication. And so uh, all of that allows me to show up at a higher level. So even when I'm with my clients, who I am this week compared to who I was last week is a completely different level. Mm. I'm growing at a rate faster than, I don't, right now I don't know anybody who's growing faster, which also then tells me I need to find somebody who's growing this fast yeah. so that I can continue <laughs> that. Um, but that, 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 that's why I have, all those coaches and I invest so much in myself so I can show up like that. Um, and, and that's how I'm able to, to help my clients. I forgot what the original question was. Uh, we were talking about, um, I, I was asking about the four different coaches, but, uh, and you were sharing part of that journey. I, I do have a question though, about um, some of the, maybe a case study that you have with one of your clients. You, you and I have spoken before previous to this call 
you'd mentioned one of your clients and some of the success that they had. Would you be willing to share that story? Cause that's, that's pretty phenomenal. Uh, absolutely. And, and, um, this person came to me and he's incredibly successful. He's, he's uh, built eight and nine figure businesses. He's completely mastered the science of success, but not the art of fulfillment. And he reached out to me saying, you know, I've hit rock bottom. This is my last straw. I'm depressed and I, I can't keep going on like this. And at the same time, he was also had uh, a business that just failed that cost him six figures. Um, and he also had multiple lawsuits that he was facing and he was just in a, in a, in a state where he didn't know what his purpose was. And again, this is the value of knowing your purpose and what happens when we don't have that. And I was there three years earlier when I hit rock bottom where I felt I didn't have my purpose and I didn't know what the point was. And we started to work together and we identified, we found that purpose. And also we created a level of confidence where he could show up at a 10 out of 10. So from, from the work that we did in about two sessions, uh, he calls me back and he says, you know, I cleared the lawsuits almost $200,000 without a single dollar spent on legal fees. No way I could have done that if we didn't do that work, if I didn't show up this way. And he also found his purpose. He was able to find that purpose. And two months later, he said, because of me knowing what I really want and my purpose, I've been able to do a deal that means another $2 million for me. And, you know, when we're looking at it, so what is it that, you know, what are the, the first things that, I do with somebody to help them. If somebody needs to, to find that purpose, um, you know, purpose is really, or, you know, what is it that fulfills you? What makes you feel alive? And when we break down fulfillment, fulfillment is, you know, just reaching a set of desired results. That's what fulfilled is. You're, you're filled, you're full of, you're, you're full on what you think you should have, how you think you should feel. You know, I, I should be feeling this way and I'm not, so I'm not fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And the first place to start with that is having clarity. So if somebody says, you know, I don't know my purpose, I, I'm not fulfilled. Well, let's first find out what does fulfillment look like for you? And also, where are you now? And this is something that's also known as the wheel of life. You're looking in the different areas of your life. Let's say in your, in your health, in your relationships, in your wealth, in your spirituality, in your emotions. On a scale of one to 10, where are you? And after you give me that number, I ask why? How do you know if, if you know, fitness or, or health is a four? Why is it a four? And you might say, well, it's a four because I sleep less than six hours a night. I, my nutrition is completely random. I don't drink enough water and I eat junk and I have energy slumps every single day. Okay, so it's measurable. Now, what does a 10 out of 10 look like? What is fulfillment for you in this area? What is like the best, what's your vision of this? Well, I sleep seven or eight hours a night and I, I'm hydrated, my energy is at a nine out of 10 consistently, or if it drops down below, I snap out of it instantly. 
uh, I'm nourishing my body. I have nutrients. I'm hydrated. I have great mobility. I have, I have no back pain. Okay. That's the negative. What do you have? I have excellent mobility and joy and ease of movement and strength or endurance. Okay. So now we have some metrics. So now we can check into that to see where we are very often people are, are, are winning and they don't even know that they're winning because they don't keep score. Mm. And if they look at where they are now compared to their goals years ago, they've surpassed them, but they still think they're not there. I, I can easily look at myself and say, I'm not at my target this year. You know, I've got this target and you know, I, I passed a quarter million this year already, but I'm not at my target that I said I'd reach this year. But then I opened my journal and said, five years ago or six years ago, my dream was to go from 30,000 to 60. Holy shit, I won that game already. This is another game, this is another level, but I've already won the game. So being able to check in to measure that and your relationships, what does it kind of look like? So now you have some targets and your mind can focus on what it wants and pursue those. And when you get to that point where your life is, is the same as your expectation of what you want it to look like, mm-hmm. then you, or, or what you want it to feel like, then you're there. That, that's what fulfillment is. Mm-hmm. Things are as they should be, or as I want them to be, or as I, I feel that I, it fills me up. I, I feel alive like this. It excites me. It, it's also about finding the purpose is about really finding out what, what lights you up the most. And an exercise that is, is super powerful that I always do with people is called the seven levels of why. So if you tell me, you know, what's your vision? What do you want to create? It's something I, I call the, the VIP, having clarity on your VIP. Your VIP is your vision of what you want your ideal life to look like. Your impact, what's the impact that you're going to have? It can be on your family. It can be on your community. It can be on the whole freaking world. Mm-hmm. Impact isn't about saving the world. Impact is about what is it that makes you feel you've contributed and made a difference for other people. Again, it can be your family, it can be your community. And then the P is the purpose. Why are these so important? And you might have an answer, well, because when I uh, hit this goal, I can buy my dream house. Okay, why is that important for you? When I buy my dream house, I, 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 I'm going to be able to relax. Okay. And now that you can relax, what does that do for you? What, why is that important? And as we keep asking why we go from usually material reasons or kind of like logical reasons that cognitively we're going to rationalize to, to think that it makes sense to confirm for ourselves and affirm that. But then as we dig deeper, we try to find out the emotions. And sometimes it's more challenging to do that because the emotions come from the limbic brain and that's separate from the neocortex that's, a, that's in charge of, of language. Um, and that's why sometimes people struggle to put into words how they want to feel. So I, I, I don't know. I just, I feel, it, it feels like it. this feels good or this feels bad. I can't put it into words. I don't know why I got a bad feeling about this or I got a gut feeling or this feels right or resonates. And that's what drives human emotion your feelings, everything that you do, you do because you feel like it. And if you don't do it, it's because you don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. Anybody listening to this, test this out right now. Write down the last three things you did 
and write down the last three things you didn't do or you avoided doing or you said, I'm not doing. And look at that. Take each one and you felt like doing it more than you didn't. What that really comes down to is pleasure versus pain. You associate more pleasure with getting it and less pain. Or if there's something you're not doing, it's because you associate more pain than pleasure. So when we find that purpose, when we ask the reasons why, we're trying to find that level of emotional pleasure that drives you. That usually the answer comes down to, because that's what fulfills me and it lights me up. Now, at the beginning of the year, I said, my mission this year is to impact 1 million lives and it is to help over 200 entrepreneurs ignite their purpose, their power, and their potential. I had no idea how the heck I was going to do that, but it didn't matter. That's something every single day I woke up and I said that. Now, why? Why I wanted to do that is because that ultimately fills me up. Nothing brings me more joy than to see another person overcome obstacles, to see another person take their life to the next level, to see another person become who they're capable of being, enjoy life, overcome challenges, or come out of a, a challenging situation or pain. That lights me up. That fills me up. I'm losing sleep over that, gladly. That's the power of having that purpose, that why, of really finding out what is it that fulfills you? What's that emotion? And then you connect with that and you need to visit it every single day and condition it. So it's not just something you journal and you try to remember, but it's present in your mind every single day. So that's having that, that clarity over what you want and why is how you identify the purpose. And that's also the first step in, in, in building your confidence. So if we think about confidence or, or certainty, there are two components. There's the physical and then there's the mental side. The physical is super easy and I, I have a decade of studying and, and teaching on this and I, I, I love that. Uh, but I'll, I'll show you why it's so easy. The mental side has a couple layers. Um, First, what does certainty sound like? It sounds like, you know, let's go, let's do it. Now, notice also the energy in it and the excitement. Let's go. What does uncertainty sound like? Uh, I don't know. So if we just look at that, to say, let's go, let's do it, it's on. Yes, I got this. That presupposes that you have an idea of where it is that you're going. You have some idea, you have clarity on that destination. If you don't know where you're going, if you don't have clarity, if you are not connected with that purpose, your why, your VIP, your vision impact purpose, then there's this cloud of the unknown. And, and physiologically, our nervous system is conditioned to fear the unknown because it might kill you. Mm -hmm. What can bring you pleasure can bring you pleasure. Okay, good. But what can kill you, you're gone. Mm -hmm. That's a priority. It's the same way as driving on a highway and you see a beautiful sunset and nobody stops. But there's a car accident and every stop, everybody stops to look over. The brain looks to protect us first. Mm -hmm. So if we don't know where we're going, we don't know what we want, we don't know what our outcome is. This includes, by the way, if, if somebody's sitting down saying, okay, I'm going to focus on this project. I'm working on this part of my business. What is it that you're going to What's the result you're after right now? And what does it look like when you get there so that you know when you've gotten there? It's clear. That clarity allows your mind to know what to do and it removes the fear of the unknown, which causes people to hold back. So th that's the first level. 
you mentioned faith earlier in the call on and and confidence it's it's a relationship to confidence and uh because sometimes we don't necessarily know where we're going all of a sudden a pandemic hits what's going to happen in the economy social upheaval we don't necessarily know but but confidence and having the faith in we don't know but you know what we're going to figure it out there's yeah. still a level of certainty that you can bring to yes. an unknown situation I've seen um, comedians adapt, you know, normally mm -hmm. they're having to go and perform in front of audiences and a lot of them have taken on this new role on, well, how do I connect with my audience now through the internet? And some of them are just creating all these new venues uh, of connection. Um, Tony Robbins, what he's done with his virtual, you yes. mind blowing. That would have so, never so, happened so, if this didn't come around. Absolutely. And awesome. so that, that actually is the, the third level. So the first level is, is clarity, knowing what you want. Uh, and even if in the midst of uncertainty, you can still know what you want. Like at, at, at the beginning of this year, when I said that my mission this year is to impact these many lives and help entrepreneurs do these things, I didn't know how. And then there was a curveball that affected everybody. But if you know what your mission is and your purpose, your purpose doesn't change because the environment changes. A change in the environment and external circumstances will change the strategy that you use. How you're going to make that happen, mm -hmm. but you're still going the same way. You're, you're going, you're climbing up a mountain and you know that you're going to the peak. And as you're going on the path, there's a giant log blocking it, or there's an avalanche and you can't go there. Okay. That changes things. However, you still know what your outcome is, mm -hmm. why you want it. Not, not the physical result you're going to create, but why? And that's why that, that purpose is so powerful. It's what drives us. And that's what will create that motivation, which is the second level. So first is clarity on where you're going. Second is motivation. The motivation to go towards is such a compelling future that lights you up, that fulfills you. That's worth going through the mud, going through the challenges, going through uncertainty, risking failure, knowing that you're, you're, this is so important. And motivation needs to be at a 10 out of 10. Mm -hmm. And I, I stress this point. I can, can't stress enough. Motivation, when you do something, needs to be a 10 out of 10. If you're about to do something, whether it's your project, even just even on, on a small daily basis, if your motivation to do something is less than a 10 out of 10, you're setting yourself up for failure. If your motivation is at a 9.5, you're like, well, that's good enough. Not really. Because what if you get a challenge? or an obstacle that has a motivation of 9.6 to avoid that pain. Mm -hmm. It's going to be more motivating for you to avoid pain than to go after your dream. Mm -hmm. So you need your motivation to be at a 10 out of 10. That doesn't matter. The worst thing in the world can happen. Your drive to push through is still bigger. So the second level is motivation. So again, mental confidence or certainty is clarity on where you're going and why your motivation of why you're going to do it, that there's more, more pleasure than pain. If there, if you associate more pain to doing something, you won't take action. So we need to shift that around. And I, I, I help people break that as well and reframe and start asking questions that link more pleasure and to break down whatever limiting belief or bullshit they normally have. As a BS is you know belief system they have about that limitation that makes it real, and then the third, the the third layer of that is your your belief, 
And this is the belief in yourself. And this is the point that you touched on. You know, what, what if you don't have clarity of what's going to happen and things are going to change? You have the belief in yourself. And I, I talked a bit about how that, that belief is both in yourself and also that, you know, there's internal confidence and there's the external confidence, having the proven roadmap to know that when you step, the ground will hold. The belief comes from, from two main things. One is results that you've had and experiences that you've had. If you've had powerful results, your belief is that you can do it. If you've had experiences in your past where you've managed and you figured it out, you're going to believe that you can do it. So it doesn't matter what's going on out there. Your belief internally is, I've got this. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens if you've had poor results? You've failed a few times or maybe a lot of times. You've started business and you failed them and you hit bankruptcy and you were happy, but then you got depressed. So now you got an experience and the result of it doesn't work. Well, then your belief is low. You don't think it's going to work. In that state, you're not going to take a lot of action because you don't think that it's, what's the point, which are going to get further results of obviously poor results. You say, see, I knew it wouldn't work, so there's no point. And this is a, a loop, it's a momentum loop that either spirals downwards or upwards. So the question is, how do you create that level of belief if you've had curveballs, if you've had life knock you down, if you've had a bunch of failures, a bunch of no's, if, if you've had obstacles? you create those results in your mind in advance. You can create those results in advance. You can visualize them. You can think, feel, hear them in advance. And this, this is one of the most fun things that, that I get to do with, uh, with people when I work with them on the very first call. I want to find out what is that formula that they have because when they say, you know, I want more confidence or I, I want more compassion or I want more excitement or I want more love, they say I want an emotion. The thing, the, the, the belief is that I don't have it. The belief is it's not a result I've produced. It's not an experience that I've had and I don't believe I can do it. That's not true. We're just, the mind's not looking for it. The truth is, there has been a time in a person's life where they felt that otherwise they wouldn't know what that emotion is. Mm. They wouldn't know that they wanted it if they didn't have a taste for it. So in their life, they've had an experience where they had that confidence at 10 out of 10, love, excitement, joy, passion. They just forgot it. So, you know, I could go and find somebody else's formula for confidence and give it to them, but that won't work as well as giving them their own formula. So if I were to have a conversation with you and you say, hey, Rad, now, right now what's holding me back is um, you know, a lack of confidence. I, I knew if I had more confidence, I could take this area of my life to the next level. Okay, my job now is to find, to access the confidence that's inside you, to pull it out to the surface and to reverse engineer it to see what was that formula, what was that recipe that allowed it to happen for you. So often we do things and we think, well, we had a good day or we had a bad day. And we think it happened by fluke. By accident, we had a certain combination. But now if we go back and we look at, okay, well, what was this specific combination? We can reverse engineer it. It's like, you know, an, an example that Tony Robbins uses is, you know, if you've never baked before, can you 
bake a chocolate cake the same way that a, a master chef for 25 years has mastered that? The answer is yes. Find out what they're doing. Find out their recipe. Now, they might say, well, you look at it and it's, you know, when it's golden brown, it's good. Okay, well, to them, it's golden brown. What does golden brown mean? Specifically, what does that look like? So now in a real example, if I have that conversation with somebody and say, I want more confidence, say, okay, well, let's first access that confidence inside you. Think of a time that you felt that confident. You felt like you could just do anything. You felt unstoppable. You had that level of strength. There's nothing that could stand in your way and you loved it. And as you put yourself back there, how are you standing? How, how is your body? How are your shoulders? How are you breathing? Your facial expressions? What were you thinking about? How were you looking at it? And, you know, what were you seeing? What were you hearing? What were you saying to yourself? All of these different components that created that experience for you, they're the pieces of a puzzle, the building blocks of that experience. We just need to find out what were these building blocks and now put them back together in, in, in the same sequence and we're going to build that same, same result. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a very fun uh, thing where, where, you know, I, I use between you know, different resources and NLP or even archetypes and, and psychology of personalities and really fun stuff to access that and to make that recipe real for them and then be able to give it to them and say, okay, so these are the specific things you did with your body, with your focus, what you were thinking about, what you were saying, what you were believing, what you were saying to yourself. This, and we define a very simple formula with two or three of the top points for each one and say this is your formula practice it every day Mm. and if you practice that you're going to have that same kind of a result Mm. as you see when we want to feel a certain emotion an emotion is a it's an emotional state that we're in and it really is something we're communicating to ourselves i'm feeling happy I'm communicating to myself, I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling happy because of this. And I justify it. And because I have this, because the sun is out, because I'm healthy, I'm feeling happy. There's a, what part of communication is verbal? It's like seven, I think. What part of communication is body language? It's over 50, I think 55% or more. So our body and our body language communicates to us how we're feeling shoulders are down like this i've called somebody and say you know i'm feeling depressed said okay tell me how are you standing i'm like all right yeah my shoulders are down (laughs) and okay so that changes so we have patterns like this that when we move the body so when we hold the body a certain way we communicate to our nervous system this is the emotion that you're feeling and that's what we experience so we get to identify that formula and then we condition that so that, that's how you can create that belief in yourself. And then with that same formula, you can envision what you want. Now you have clarity over what you want, your motivation, and you can condition that state. Any emotion is a muscle. It's a muscle. It's a, it's a nervous system muscle that you condition. And that's what takes us into, into the physical component of confidence. It's about you training yourself. You know, there's a study that Amy Cuddy did on power poses where if you place your hands on your hips right now, everybody try, pull your shoulders back, head up, deep breaths, even put a smile on your face. And when you stay like this for two minutes, your nervous system gets the signal, your body language communicates to your nervous system, hey, 
I'm feeling great. I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling strong. What happens? Testosterone goes up 20%. This is your confidence hormone, your strength hormone. Cortisol goes down 25%. This is the stress hormone. This is the fight or flight. This is your survival instinct. This is the, I'm running for the hills. This is the, the, the stress hormone. And your risk tolerance goes up 33%. Your ability to take chances, your ability to take action. If, you're, if somebody's procrastinating, their risk tolerance is low. Their stress level is high. They're afraid. And their testosterone confidence is low. So if we reverse that, we just change how we communicate to our body. I've got this. I'm strong. Mm. And then we remember a time where we felt that strength and we have that formula. We access and we tap back into that. We change the state. And in that state, most people try to change their behavior. And the truth is that when you change, when, when, when you change your state, your behavior changes automatically. When you change your emotional state, the behavior changes automatically. Mm. You, know, you, you can't be with your shoulders back, head up, smiling, saying, I'm depressed, I'm depressed. Try it. You, you, you won't be able to. If you're still breathing with, you know, with your shoulders back, chest up, at the same time, if you slump your shoulders, hold your breath, you frown, and you think about all the crap that's bad in your life, the way that I did when I was depressed, focusing on all the hardships, it's going to be difficult to feel excited. You can't. Mm-hmm. You feel excited, you're going, to, you're going to break free, you're going to open up, you're going to move differently. So this is what brings me to, to the physical uh, mastery of confidence, which is it's a muscle. So if we're going to physiologically stay a certain way or need to move the body a certain way, the question is, do most people have the physical capacity to do that? And the answer is no. Most people spend most of their time, if they're working on a computer, shoulders forward. Everything happens forward. They're driving forward. They're, you know, from school, we're studying for the whole body collapses. This is not strength. This is fear. This is protecting itself. So the signal we're telling our nervous system is, I'm afraid, mm. right? Look at National Geographic or Animal Planet. And when two animals engage, when, when two mammals engage, uh, two lions, for example, the one that's strong stands up. Rah! And the one that backs off is the smaller one goes down like that and just takes off. Mm. Or just look at a dog when it's scared, cowers down and gets small. So we're communicating to our nervous system that I'm afraid. And I need to watch out for that. So if we're going to stand like that, do we have the physiological capacity, the muscle endurance? It's like holding a plank. You might hold it for two minutes and say, oh my God, I'm feeling some new muscles. Okay, I need to take a break. Okay. Well, just like applying where you hold it for 30 seconds longer each time. Start measuring. Start conditioning yourself. That that's how you stay. And this is something that, that I love because for 10 years when I was in the fitness industry and I had a horrible back injury, that got me to start seeking out the best chiropractors in the world to work with them, to align, to decompress the spine, to open up. And I started to teach mindset and emotional mastery through mastering your body mm. that when you pull the shoulders back and you train certain muscles you do certain exercises physiologically it's going to unleash a certain emotional capacity a certain level of mindset so that's why the physiological part is is so important and that's that's how you beat procrastination that's so fascinating I, I had a, um, a guest on a little while ago. His name is Gary Brecka, who's a blood chemist. And he was talking about how emotions, um, high vibration emotions like joy and bliss and excitement and passion require a certain level of physiological building blocks within your body to actually express those emotions. It blew my mind how 
if most of Americans are vitamin D deficient, for example, you actually don't have the actual uh, building blocks to even create those emotions if you want to. Now, obviously, physiologically, you can begin to shift that and change that, those chemical imbalances in, in your body, which is, which is just you know, mind-blowing to me that, that one yeah. can hack your system. You can basically interrupt and hack your system. Like you were saying, it's almost impossible to say depressed when your shoulders are back and your chin is up. And yes. Exactly. So, so the, the biochemistry is very important. It's like trying to, to, to drive a Ferrari at a high speed and you're putting like mud water in there. It's right. not going to run. It's not going to have the component to perform, to create that chemical reaction that drives that energy. So that, that's one, one side. But the other part is just really conditioning. So, um, you know, if I, if I could uh, just leave a, a gift for everybody listening to this. Take, take a moment and, and have your notebook out and think of a time you know, for whatever emotion you want to feel. But if confidence is really something that allows you to access that power where you're going to take action and really do anything you want, think of a time that you felt just so confident and just pay attention. Make a few notes. You know, what were two or three things you were doing with your body? How are you standing or moving or smiling? What are the top things? And right now, how are you breathing? Write two or three things about what you were thinking about, what you were focusing on in your mind. Now, were, were you focusing on, on seeing it working or were you focusing on seeing it not working, on success or failure? Did you say that you know, failure is bad? What were you saying to yourself? Hmm. Were, you, were you saying, I've got this or I don't know what to do? I'm not sure about this. Remember the language of uncertainty versus I got this, I know what to do. And failure is I always succeed in producing a result. Failure is still a success. It just means I, I succeed in producing a result I didn't want, which gives me an opportunity now to see what worked, what didn't, and make an improvement. So yes, failure. I got some feedback. Without mm -hmm. this feedback, I couldn't have gotten better. Mm -hmm. You look at the most successful people in the world, they've had so many failures before they had that success. So failure is an opportunity for you to grow. And that's you can succeed even harder. So write down a couple notes there and that becomes a, a formula for you. How you're standing, what you think about what you're saying, how you're breathing and write it down on an index card and that's your cheat sheet. And I dare you to condition that every single day, every two hours, just stand up and for maybe like 30 seconds or one minute or maybe two minutes, push yourself. Again, it might be a stretch because your body is not trained with that. The focus muscle is not trained to focus on what you want versus what you don't want. It's training new habits. As you're doing that, you can access that emotional state a lot easier. That's how I help my clients make these shifts where they showed up at a level they haven't accessed before. They access the best part of themselves. We all have multiple parts of ourselves, and that's where we can go into archetypes. So I found out what part of you do we need for this situation, and maybe for this situation, we need another one. I had a client where she's go, go, go. And she wanted to bring a company, a half a billion dollar company together. And the management was divided. And I said, the go, go, go state might not help here. Let's access a different part of you. You know, what's a part of you when you're compassionate and caring? How are you standing and how are you? And we found that formula. And before you go speak and have these conversations, get into this formula. And by doing that kind of work with her, as well as other strategy and, and, and influence, uh, she was able to bring the company together and keep the doors open during COVID when the majority of the competition closed their doors. 
mm. some of them permanently. Mm. And they've got 1,200 employees. So to know that because of some shifts like this that we're able to do and then condition to show up, and she's just I mean, a phenomenal person. Her drive to, to make things better, to, to improve, to give her all, to help other people is, is to get Well, roof. to get coaching too, to get some guidance and to make some, yeah. you know, that's not. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so it was almost like third party. So she said, well, we're having this conversation with the CEO and with these other people. It's like, how do I get them to see things this way? So we worked through a whole bunch of techniques and she, and she, she was able to do that and to, to know that 1,200 employees who were at risk of losing their jobs and their families losing their jobs. Now we've done that. That's really fulfilling. And, and now we're like, you know, talking about how do we expand and the other companies that are there. Not just, it's not just about the, the competition, you know, taking more of the market, even though that, that's a bonus as well. But really the other companies, they don't have income. The employees are worried about whether they're going to go back to work or have something. So there are employees that now you can help. And because you guys stayed open, because now you guys are leaders in your industry, absolute leaders, you're able to now help so many more people have that certainty, have, have that income, especially during a hard time like this. And that's just because of conditioning of how you need to show up in each situation. Love that, man. Um, you have, uh, you've shared so much information and to, to think uh, that you went from, you know, an empty refrigerator <laughs> to today and, and what you're able to do and the mindset shifts and the powerful um, influence for a greater good for actual impact to affect all these people's lives is phenomenal, dude. And, and I just, I knew, I knew there was a reason why I needed to reach out to you. Like there was just something, I don't know. It's just like, I need to talk to this guy. I need to better understand the journey. And now I know why. And I, I'm blown away, dude, uh, what you've been able to accomplish and, and I do feel like this is just the beginning. Like, I feel like you've got a much bigger vision to take this even, even uh, to a much bigger place, which is awesome. Thank you so much. And, and I absolutely do. And, and again, there, there, <laughs> there are moments where I'm like, I don't know how the hell or I have frustration. <laughs> I'm like, you know why I just, just the other week, I'm like, why am I doing this? I could just, if I stop all my coaching and all my investments in myself right now, I can live like a king. Yeah, I can like, you know, buy the fanciest car and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but that, that's not, that doesn't fulfill me at all. Yeah. And in the middle of me having doubts, because again, we, we always go through that. Uh, in the middle of that, I had somebody reach out to me telling me that they didn't feel like it was worth living anymore. Mm. And I'm like, it's like 1am. It's like, pick up the phone, make it happen. And this is, this is what drives me knowing that there are people out there that are struggling, knowing that there are people that are struggling financially, emotionally, in all kinds of ways, knowing I know how to help them. I know how to make that happen. A hundred percent. I figure out no matter what, because I know what my mission is and the how it doesn't freaking matter. I mean, as a kid, I, I grew up as a strategist. I was you know, driven by adventure. How do I jump the fence? How do I sneak around? How do I find a way in doing puzzle strategy games? I love this stuff. And now I'm just equipped with an arsenal of tools. I know that, you know, I'm sure I'm going to have a problem that I'm not going to know how the hell to fix, but I can still help with the psychology to such a point where the person now is able to find that solution easier. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Where, so, where, where can somebody go if they're interested in reaching out to you? How can they connect with you? 
they they can find me on on Facebook, uh, Rad Palavan. Uh, if you can please share that link with them. Um, I also have uh, my email address, which is you know, just radpalavan at gmail.com. Uh, you can send me an email there, uh, or you can add my my website there. And there's a contact tab there, which is radpalavan.com. Awesome. Well, we will put all of that in the uh, on your page on on my website for sure. Radman, this has been an incredible conversation. Thank you for sharing uh, your journey. Thank you for sharing all those uh, truth bombs and knowledge bombs. That was amazing. Um, and I, I thank you so much. I feel connected to your sense of purpose and impact that you're making in the world. So, thank you. And I, I just remember right now there there's one more one more resource or tool that that I'm happy to share with people. Um, over the years, through all of this. You know, there, there's one thing that really stood out to me, a quote from the, from the Navy SEALs, which is, we don't rise to the challenge, we drop to the level of our training, our habits and our conditioning. Hmm. What that means is that when all hell breaks loose, you're not going to rise to the opportunity if you haven't trained yourself to be there, or at least you won't stay there sustainably. You might be there for a short period of time with hmm. adrenaline and a survival mode, hmm. but you burn out, you don't stay there. So you drop to the level of your training which is why it's important that your confidence, your joy, the emotions that you want, you condition them so that even under stress, you drop down and that level you drop to is something you've conditioned, mm-hmm. right? Right right now, you, you might be distracted, all help is breaking loose and you can still tie your shoelace without thinking about that because mm-hmm. you've trained it hundreds of thousands of times. Mm-hmm. So that formula that I gave you about how to get into that kind of a state, practice and train that. And I, you know, the power of rituals is what enforces that doing something. I have a daily discipline and it's something that I've, I've designed and I, I call it the radical results rituals, which is what I did every day and what I do with my clients, get them to do every single morning for them to show up at their best. This is something that I, I wrote last year. And uh, so my story there is a little outdated. I'll, I can upgrade it, but the tools in there, the components of how you condition your physiology, your body, your mind, your emotional state to show up at your best and raise that level of your training is something that will help you take your own mastery and confidence and that personal power for you to take action and fulfill your potential. It'll take that to another level. So that you can download that. It's on my website, www.radpalavan.com and uh, slash download. So I'll, I'll make sure that I, I send you the link, but it's there. Or if you can't find it, just uh, reach out to me and I'll, I'll send that to you. We'll be sure to get the link. That's, that's perfect. Um, right. Thanks again, man. This was phenomenal. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me here. It's such an honor. Take care. Okay. Yeah.